Hi, I'm Kate Noel, and I am so happy you're here. This podcast is about all things related to honest health and wellness, eating disorder recovery, lifestyle stuff, and more. I want to share my personal experience along with interviewing amazing guests to inspire you to be the best version of yourself by truly honoring what your mind, body, and soul want and need. I've honestly always had a hard time allowing myself the dessert. If you have to, let's get real and take the cake. Take the Cake is about informing, inspiring, and educating you. It's not intended to diagnose or treat anything. It's simply for your entertainment, and I just want to give a trigger warning to anyone who is easily triggered by topics centered around disordered eating and stuff like that. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Take the Cake podcast. Today, I have someone so special. I have Brittany Lancaster on. Uh, She is wonderful. You guys actually might follow her if you guys are on TikTok. She has a TikTok that's so popular and an Instagram and a YouTube. And she has just, she's like the founder of the body positive recovery good side of TikTok. So she just has so much wisdom. She told me her recovery story and it just gave me chills. I love her. So I know you guys are going to learn so much and be inspired by her. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Brittany Lancaster. Hi, Brittany. Thank you so, so much for being on the podcast. I am thrilled to have you for so, so many reasons. But uh, yeah, we're going to get into that. So I wanted to just give you the time for you to just start off with your background, how you ended up here, um, and we'll talk more about your social media and stuff like that later, but maybe we can just start off by talking about your history with your eating disorder and so on and so forth. Definitely. Well, first off, I'm so excited to be here. I'm just like, I'm ready to have a good time. So um, (laughs) basically, my story is... When I was 16 years old, I developed anorexia for about a year and a half to two years of my life, and um, that had multiple different health um, effects on my body. I had hormone imbalances, vitamin deficiencies, half of my hair fell out, I lost my menstrual cycle for over nine months, um, and had extreme fatigue, um, really bad acne, just um, really, really horrible things. My doctor told me that it would be a really, really um, hard for me to have kids later on in life, potentially like hard times getting pregnant later on in life and various things like that. And when my doctor told me that about having trouble having kids, that was what started. uh, That's kind of what motivated me to start eating again, because I have always wanted to be a mom my whole life. And always thought that that was something that I was going to be able to achieve later on in life and be able to experience. And so I started eating again. But I think since I hadn't eaten for such a long time and had been restricting for such a long time that when I started eating, it was kind of just like, I couldn't stop. There was no off button, you know, there was no on off switch. It was just, I would eat everything in sight. um, And I would eat past the level of fullness, you know, past the level of extreme fullness, you know, it was just more of like a rage, you know, a raid of the kitchen type thing at night and things like that. So I struggled with binge eating disorder for about two years when I was 18 years old. And um, 
that had multiple health effects as well on my body. Um, and, uh, so my body was, was really, really, um, kind of messed up for a long time because it was kind of on this roller coaster of a journey that I was putting it through. And when I graduated high school, my, my parents took, uh, my brother and I to Europe for the first time. And the entire trip we went to, uh, we went to Amsterdam, um, Slovenia, and Croatia. Mm-hmm. And the entire trip, I was so self-conscious. I wasn't allowing myself to enjoy any of the culture foods. You know, like I was stopping myself from having gelato or pizza or just things that I will never be able to experience something like that again, or at least I hope I will. But you really never know if you'll ever get back back there, especially during times like this. It's like we're not even allowed to travel right now. and. Um, I, on like the last part of our trip was in Croatia. And on the last day of the trip, my brother and I, we were swimming in the Croatian sea and there was this rock in the sea. And so I was sitting on it and I was looking out and it was one of those moments where you're looking into the ocean and all you can see for miles is water. If that makes sense. Like you cannot see any other body of land in, in sight And it kind of just hit me in that moment, sitting on that rock, that life is so much bigger than belittling my body every single day and, you know, restricting myself from living my life when our world is so much bigger. And this sounds kind of bad, but it also kind of taught me that these negative thoughts I I was having about my body and about myself were really insignificant to the world as a whole, if that makes sense. Like my Mm -hmm. life is, is tiny compared to what our earth is, you know? And so it's like, I'm given this beautiful opportunity to live a wonderful life. So why shouldn't I, you know, experience that and stop hating myself and stop belittling my body and doing all these unhealthy things to my body and instead get help and start recovery and, um, just live life, you know? And so that was really, I know that some people in eating disorder recovery, sometimes it's kind of, um, a progressional thing, you know, they like, they like slowly realize that they want treatment and that they want recovery. And then sometimes people have that aha moment of like, Whoa, today's the day I'm starting. I will never go back to this. And that was that day for me. And that was September 9th, 2016. Um, And when I flew home the next day, I um, started to recover. I started recovery Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, got help and everything. And so now I've been four years in recovery from both of those. And I'm an intuitive eater and um, an intuitive exerciser, I guess you could say, too. (laughs) And I just, you know, share my story about my um, my journey. But that's that's kind of my that's kind of a short version of my story. Obviously, there was a lot more things that happened in between and in details with everything, but that's kind of the, you know, mm-hmm. to the point. Story. I love that. Yes. I have just, I live in LA and uh, we love going to the beach. So I go there all the time as much as I can. And I just relate to the water so much. I just look out and I'm like, oh my gosh, this world is massive. Mm-hmm. It's just huge. And so I love that you had that aha moment then. It's so beautiful. And Gosh, you just have so much wisdom. (laughs) No, it it is really crazy, you know, to think about, you know, because obviously it's important to work on yourself and to work on your mental health and make sure that you're happy 
with who you are and getting help for whatever you need in your life and making yourself happy. But then also there's the other side of it when, when you realize like, wow, this earth is huge and I'm just this one tiny part of it, you know, but I should still be happy. But just remember that like, wow, I'm so grateful to be able to experience this earth and this life. I should live it to its fullest, you know, not Mm -hmm. cloud all of my opportunities and all of my joyful memories with self-hatred, you know, and negative thoughts about your body and various things like that. So it's definitely, um, you know, an interesting mindset to look at both sides of it. But that was personally what really hit me. And um, yeah, I love the ocean. I feel like it's the most peaceful place ever. (laughs) So peaceful. Yeah. And it's so true that I experienced that too. I think everyone does. When you, when I was just so caught up in my body image and my eating disorder, I really was so self-centered. Everything I thought about was about me and it was about the way I looked and the way I felt and what I wanted to be. And recovery really taught me how to be more compassionate, not only for myself, but just take me out of these like internal thoughts I have all the time and allow me to be present in the world and like give back to the world. Like my, my perspective, you're right. It's a mindset shift and it's so true. Like I'm so much of a kind, personally, I'm a kinder person. I'm a better person. And so I love that you had that moment. Yeah. 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 No, I totally agree. I think like, you know, it's really difficult to kind of weigh out what is being like, what is self care, you know, and like, and prioritizing yourself versus, okay, where is, where am I having a little bit of selfish tendencies, you know, where I'm maybe not thinking of others and doing various things like that. And so for me, it was kind of like, knowing that, okay, yes, it's important to take care of yourself and it's important to prioritize yourself, but also you need to prioritize others and other things in this world that is going to, that are going to help so many other people than just yourself, you know? Um, so yeah, I totally relate to that. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your little brief story. I know it's really hard to compact such a crazy experience into a brief story, but you did a great job. I think I found you on YouTube. I think Mm -hmm. I just got like one of your suggested videos. I am not really on TikTok. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think oh, yeah. I, like, it's a time. It's a fun time. <laughs> it's a fun time. So I was like, oh, this girl's a YouTuber. And then I was like, wait, this girl is like a TikToker. And I was like, whoa, this is important for me to check out. Honestly, I've I have a bad taste of TikTok in my mouth because of what other people have said to me and just what I've experienced on it myself. And yeah. so with that, what inspired you to start your TikToks and you know you post all about your recovery you post like what I eat in a days you post just little tips and little encouraging videos mm-hmm. you're like I think you're considered Gen Z right um yeah I think I'm on like the borderline between Gen Z and millennial like I think I'm okay. on that weird they don't know what to call us you know? <laughs> I'm just gonna call you Gen Z because Gen Z millennial but you yeah, are like I'm the 22 bridge. so I don't know okay. like where I think I'm in this weird, honestly, whatever you want to call me is fine. <laughs> I like feel like I'm in this weird in between where I'm like, I guess I could be considered either or, you know? So. Uh-huh. Amazing. You get best of both worlds. Um, yeah. So yeah, you're like the bridge from my like, 
<laughs> millennial self to like a lot of my followers who are younger than me and yeah. who are younger. So yeah, just tell me about your experience with TikTok. So yeah, so TikTok was honestly um, something that came very unexpected for me. I never thought that um, I would gain a following or it's still for me a very weird, I don't know if you ever experience this sometimes, but I'm like, why, why do people follow me? Oh my gosh, you know, all like, the time. <laughs> I myself, I'm like, I'm, I'm so thankful for people, but like, you know, what is it? I mean, like I have confidence in myself, obviously, but I just think, I think more of what it is, is when you realize that people take time out of their day to watch what you are creating or posting, it's such a, I don't know, it's like this warm and fuzzy feeling of just gratitude, you know? So um, basically how TikTok happened was I downloaded the app at the end slash be- end of October last year slash beginning of November. But all I downloaded it for was to just watch TikToks. Like, I think I made a couple of TikToks with my friends, but they were super silly, like dancing trend videos, nothing about body positivity or anything like that, or eating disorder recovery. And then on um, February 9th of this past year of 2020, um, uh, pre-COVID, my sorority was having our winter formal. And February 9th was the three and a half year mark of um, eating disorder recovery for me. And so I was in this really pretty pink dress and there was this trend going around of this song. And then it was like, you know, the Dougie teach me how to Dougie. And so I decided to do this TikTok where I um, came out onto my patio and started doing the Dougie in this dress. And all I wrote in the caption was I said, today marks three and a half years of eating disorder recovery. And I posted it and then I went to my formal and didn't check my phone until the next morning because, you know, the formal lasted, you know, really late at night. And then I came home and just went straight to bed because I was so tired from dancing for like four hours, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I woke up in the morning and I was like, Whoa, (laughs) like it had gone viral. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. You know, something that I'm so passionate about the first video of me to go viral was something that I'm so passionate about. And, um, it kind of hit me. I was like, I don't really think there's anybody talking about this on TikTok. You know, I don't think there's really anybody talking about body positivity or eating disorder recovery because in February there really wasn't, there was hardly anyone. Um, and so I kind of decided, I was like, maybe I should share my story. So basically like a couple weeks later, I decided to post my first what to eat in a day. And that went even more viral. People loved that from the get go. And I was like, okay, this is helping people. So I'm going to keep posting this. And um, before I knew it, I, I, you know, it kind of turned into like, whoa, this, this just happened kind of overnight. And it was something that it was very unexpected. And then you know, more accounts started to uh, be created and grow and, you know, kind of the body positive eating disorder recovery side of TikTok grew, you know, and I was so happy for that because I think it's so incredible how many creators now are talking about it on the app because mm-hmm. TikTok can be so toxic, kind of like what you were saying, if you've heard bad things, TikTok can definitely be triggering and be toxic and talk about diet culture and various things like that. And so I just think it's so incredible. The larger the body positive movement on TikTok can be, the better. But yeah, TikTok was super unexpected for me. It kind of just 
happened and fell in my lap, if mm-hmm. that made sense. And um, yeah, so that's kind of mm-hmm. how it happened. That's great. That's like yeah. same with me and YouTube. I just was like, I guess I'll make this little thing. I had no, 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 no idea that it would take off. And then you're kind of yeah. like, wow, I guess this isn't really needed because people latch on. I mean, I can imagine like I can put myself in a younger person's idea of like I can mm-hmm. imagine being younger and scrolling through TikTok and seeing like, you know, the cute dogs and then like the diet yeah. culture stuff. Where you're like, oh, this like sucks and you're getting triggered. And then you see somebody like you and you're just like, wow, she's so beautiful and she's mm-hmm. eating and she's talking about how much she loves herself. And it's just like a breath of fresh air. And so I can totally see why, why, you know, the whole thing just blew up and you're like a founding a founder of the body positive <laughs> yeah. TikTok movement. So that's Found, awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. I love it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I just think it's um, incredible how many people have, um, you know, grown to love the body positive side of TikTok just because we, those subjects need to be talked about on all platforms. You know, I really feel like, you know, YouTube and um, TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat and everywhere it should be talked about because, and that was the other thing with my what I eat in a days. I don't, you know, I, with my what I eat in a days, I never wanted to share them in a sense of to show people, oh, this is quote unquote how you should eat or whatever it may be. I just mm-hmm. started sharing them because, um, number one, I'm an intuitive eater. So I, you know, I just listen to my body and I listen to my hunger signals and I eat what sounds good and what I'm craving. I don't focus on, you know, good versus bad foods. I don't believe in that. I believe food is food um, and everything, you know, balance is key, moderation, all that stuff. And mm-hmm. um, why I was so inspired to make my Wadena days originally was because I was seeing these Wadena days that were so, so restrictive and full grown, m- mostly women, um, but there were some men that were eating the amount of food that probably a two-year-old should be eating. You know what I'm saying? Like that was the amount of calories that they were consuming, the amount of food. And Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Somebody needs to show like, not necessarily realistic, but just how much food a a normal, like, you know, a human being should eat, a full grown Mm -hmm. human being should eat and how, you know, it's good to nourish your body and things like that. So for me, mm-hmm. that was also kind of my motivation in posting it was people enjoyed seeing the variation of my food and also just kind of the fact that I was eating a decent amount of food. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. Same with me. I post what I eat in a days. And I, I do it because it just like you said, it's just really – people just really need to see somebody – who is eating enough and Mm -hmm. that's it eating enough and eating what they want. And Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, it's so sad too, because the algorithm just gets you, you know, as soon as you watch one video of like the model diet videos where they're really restrictive or like Mm -hmm. intuitive eating, but make it lean. It's like now, I think now there's like all these like intuitive eating days, but they're like, intuitive eating how to get abs and I'm like that is not intuitive eating mm-hmm. oh it's so frustrating but you know once you I watch know. one of those the algorithm or whatever whatever the TikTok and YouTube and Instagram does they just like saturate your feed with it and you're like oh my gosh I'm not you know I'm not eating normally I'm eating too much and it just takes people away from 
listening to their bodies and honoring their hunger. So yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, also with, with like kind of my what eat in a days, I, uh, I, I have a huge sweet tooth. I love sweets and every single night I eat dessert every single night. And for some people, yeah, it's the best. It's like, besides my iced coffee in the morning, hands down, best part of my day. But, um, <laughs> but you know, something for me is I just think life is too short to not have dessert every day. You know, like, it's just, I love dessert. And so I have it every day. And some people, when they first start following me or watching me, they're like, how do you eat dessert every day? Like, isn't that quote unquote, what we're told is bad and we can't do that. And it's like, no, you know, everything balance is key. You know, when, if you, if you're having your kale salad, you can have your cookie or your ice cream or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, um, and even if you don't have a kale salad, you can still have your cookie, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's just about honoring my hunger signals and honoring, and it kind of, you know, it sounds like you're like the same way with everything. And it's just, you know, I think it's important to show people that you don't have to, you don't have to restrict your body, you know, to nourish it. So Mm -hmm. love it, love it, love it, love it. So do you personally follow like other body positive recovery people on TikTok? Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. So So people go to like your page and see who you follow and just like maybe kind of change it up their algorithm. I don't know. I'm just like, yeah, no, definitely. I, for me personally, what helps me change the algorithm and what makes me stay on, you know, kind of what I consider positive TikTok is um, I only follow, I think I follow 80 or 90 people on TikTok, but that's it. And half of those are like my friends from college, you know, so they're not like um, (laughs) creators type thing. Um, And so the other half are only people that I really, really believe and love their content, you know, and a lot of them are body positive creators on TikTok. And I absolutely, and then a couple of them are also like funny people, you know, just like people who they make me laugh when I see their videos, you know, and they do like funny skits or stuff like that. So obviously you have a couple of those creators that I follow, but for the most part, besides my college friends and the funny creators, all of them, all the other, the other people I follow are body positive, um, creators. Um, like I love, like I'm really, really close with, um, Victoria Garrick. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. She was, um, a D one athlete at USC and she was a volleyball player. And, um, we've grown really close on TikTok and just kind of like in life. Um, so yeah, so she's super awesome and it's really nice to have her awesome. I mean, I love all of them. Claire is amazing. I'm super close with her. And so, um, there's just been a lot of really, I'm just so happy that people are sharing their story and that these creators are sharing their stories because I think that everyone can like relate or, um, yeah, can relate to people in different ways. You know, we all have different stories. So for that reason, people connect with different people or they can connect with all of us, but they have somebody that they can relate to in some way because there's so many different creators talking about this stuff now. So it's true. I know I, sometimes I'm like, I'm not really sure if my content is personally relatable to the people who don't have a history with like a diagnosed eating disorder. Mm -hmm. But oh my gosh, I get more messages and more just even friends in my life, just people I know, of people who are like, I think what you're doing is amazing. I've I'm, I've struggled with 
just diet culture and just society's beliefs. It's like you don't even have to you you can't escape it. Like if you are on social media in 2020 and you know, you're just in our world, like I just feel like you can't you can't escape the pressure. It's like you don't have to have an eating disorder, but you definitely feel the pressure. So I do think that everyone can relate to yeah, seeing some body I, positivity for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there are so many people that maybe they don't have an eating disorder, but they have disordered eating, you know, and they mm-hmm. struggle with body image issues and various things like that. And a lot of the things that we overcome in eating disorder recovery relates and kind of dips into those subjects as well, you know. So um, totally. I think that totally people, you know, relate to your story and find, um, you know, kind of find hope in that, you know, and know that it is possible to recover. And kind of like you were saying, diet culture is everywhere. And diet culture, you know, even though my friends and family know of everything that I've been through in my story, and obviously, and they've been so amazing, there's still times where I have to remind them like, hey, you know, let's not talk about that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, that's not worth your time. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it's, it's obviously on our social media, it's on, you know, our news stations and commercials and advertisements, but it's also just in our friends and family, you know, in our inner circle roots that we have to keep in touch as well with those things. You know, it's everywhere. So people listening out there, just protect yourself and you have to learn to spot it really well. It's like a, you have to have like a radar or something. Yeah. Yeah. Really and just setting help. healthy boundaries. You know, I feel like that's so important with friends or family because no one in my family has, um, ever in my immediate family has ever experienced uh, an eating disorder. So when I first developed my eating disorders and, you know, decided to get recovery, I had to simply just explain to them the best way I could what my brain even goes through, you know, and what I was experiencing and how this affects my life so deeply because they weren't trying to be mean by not understanding. They just genuinely didn't understand because they had never struggled with anything like this. And so once I kind of first talked about everything and explained everything, then I set healthy boundaries of, hey, this is kind of things that I would appreciate if you don't talk about in front of me because it's triggering various things like that. And people who really care about you, they will have no problem, you know, respecting those boundaries. You know what I'm saying? The people who really care about you and who really value you and their life, they will have no problem respecting those boundaries. Yeah. I even think that those people, I I go as far as to say, I think those people would be honored. I think they would be really honored to be like, wow, this person trusts me with their mental health and with Mm -hmm. their life. And I I think that if, if I really believe that if you are careful and selective about the people that you open up to, you know, eventually you can tell more and more people you can, you can be how open as you want or how open as you need. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I just think if you are, are careful about who you pick and you just have, you know, love when you're telling them, I think that they would be honored. So I agree with you for sure. Yeah. You told me a little bit that you struggled with binging at the Mm -hmm. beginning of the episode. And I did too. I think everyone, everyone who struggles with restrictive eating, you know, usually binging coincides and it's a really, really hard thing to go through. I think a lot of people can relate to it. So what was your process of becoming an intuitive eater? Uh, Like, did you, 
did you go to treatment? Did you get help? Did you just read some books? Like obviously everyone's process is different and mine mine is very complicated. So I don't expect you to be like, I just had one thing, but tell me about it. Like tell me how you yeah, got to the place yeah. you are. So, you know, my recovery story was definitely not um quote unquote, I guess traditional, you could say. So basically how I um when my parents noticed that I was um, that I was developing anorexia and that I was experiencing those, those symptoms and everything, I um, they took me to a nutritionist and like a health counselor, and um, basically I just went to please them, if that made sense. You know, I was just like, I am going to go to these meetings and do what I have to do and continue on with my life the way that I'm acting. You know, I didn't really want help. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't ready for recovery at that moment. And um, so then fast forward like three years down the line when I finally am ready for or four years down the line when I am ready to recover, um, I was leaving for college in like five days, you know, once I decided, okay, we're, you're going to start recovery. And so I had to have, you know, some remote meetings, various things like that um, with the same counselor. And also I um, did a lot of research with myself, you know, like I, one of the people, how I kind of found intuitive eating was this lady on um, Instagram. Her name is Kylie and her at is I'm eat that. And she was the first person. I love her. She's so awesome. She was the first person. She's a registered um, dietitian and she's the first person that I learned what intuitive eating was. And one of my cousins is a registered dietitian. So she sent me her. She was like, hey, Britt, like, I think you'd really like to follow this lady. Um, You should check her out. So I found her and I was like, wow, she's amazing. You know, and I I even remember when I first started following her, she would post, uh, she has a blog. So she would write, she would do like what I eat in a day blog posts and various things like that. And sometimes for a snack, she would have like a Twix bar. And back then I was like, wait, what? Like, how can you have a Twix bar for a snack? You know, isn't a snack like carrots and hummus or apple and peanut butter? You know, that's what I envisioned as, oh, oh, this is like an, a quote unquote acceptable snack. And then I realized, oh, intuitive eating, you, you just listen to what your body is craving. And today you might be craving a Twix bar for your snack, but tomorrow you might want the apple and peanut butter, you know? And that's like, the beauty of just listening to your body. And so for me, recovery was like very also um, at, at my university, we had a health center. So I went to see the doctor there and various things like that. So my recovery was, um, it, it did involve professionals. And I always recommend people to go see professionals. But it also was a lot on myself as well, because I was at college while going to see these professionals. So it was ultimately on me to follow through, you know, my parents weren't watching me, or I wasn't in a treatment center because I wanted to go to college, um, and various things like that. So yeah, mine is mine's definitely not traditional, but um, I it it worked. So, (laughs) you know, I I don't even think there's traditional recovery. I mean, maybe there is, in a sense, but it's everyone's is different. I mean, people, Mm -hmm. some people, yeah, yeah, it's all it's always different. So that's beautiful. That's thank you for sharing. Of course, um, that's great. I love that your college had like a health center, and I really struggled in college. I have no idea what was offered to me because I was not interested in recovery when I was in college. Unfortunately, um, I mean, I was, but I I wasn't 
ready, I guess. Uh, even though I don't think you are ever ready. I think you just have to do it. Yeah, totally. Um, You just have to say, I'm going to do this, you know? And like, that was the really cool thing about U of O is, you know, their health center. Also, I was kind of really determined to, once I, once I kind of what we were talking about, like decided, okay, you're just going to, you're going to do this, you know, you're going to start recovery. Then I was kind of like, all in, you know, and I was like, we're Mm going to do this to the best of my ability and see if I can recover. And so I was the one who kind of explored the health center. And I found out that, you know, my health center had obviously doctors and various things like that. But then there was also an on site nutritionist and various resources that I could use. And I grew close with my doctor that I would see. And we grew a good relationship. And, uh, you know, I really trusted her. And I think that that's so important in, you know, you're having a good relationship with your doctor or your nutritionist or whoever, uh, whatever treatment center you go to, or your therapist, however you choose to um, go through recovery, I think it's really important to make sure that you feel like heard and trusted and Mm -hmm. safe. And I definitely felt that way. That's great. I love that. So you you know, you said you were like, okay, I'm going to go all in. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about like the challenges you faced. Like, did you have like a lot of fear foods? Like when you, you know, when you started eating these fear foods, like so many people, I'm sure they reach out to you, say the same things. Like, I'm so scared. I I can't get myself to eat this or I can't get myself to eat that. Do you feel like you just did it and you were like, okay, this isn't that bad? Or, you know, tell me about just – having peace with food, like tell me about your process and getting peace with food more practically. Yeah. Yeah. So with fear foods, it's interesting because, um, I know that fear food is fear foods is something that a lot of people, you know, deal with. And that is like a really big hurdle for a lot of people when it comes to recovery. Um, but for me, I, I didn't really necessarily have a specific food, that I was fearful of, but it was more just like, I think from my, uh, you know, restricting and then binging and all those various things, I was kind of scared of all foods almost, if Mm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I felt so out of balance, you know, I felt so out of whack. I felt like my body was hanging on by a thread, basically, you know, I just felt like, like physically, you felt sick. Physically, basically. physically, emotionally, mentally, mm-hmm. everything. I just felt like I had put my body through everything possible in the past, you know, three to four years that it was like, what more does my body have to to give? You know, how am I going to overcome this? It was kind of a fear of never being able to find balance in general. And so for me, I had to start you know, obviously listening, actually paying attention in the meetings and taking the meetings seriously and everything. But also that's why recovery was so much on me as well, because I had to take the time and put the time in to, um, you know, really listen to my body and be like, what sounds good right now? And, you know, listening to my hunger signals, various things like that. And also, strangely enough, something that really helped me, uh, you know, recover from binge eating disorder, my freshman year of college was my uh, point system, like my meal system uh, for the different cafeterias and dining halls and things like that. Because Mm -hmm. at U of O, we were given a set amount of points every week that you could spend on food. And obviously, it was plenty of points where you could eat 
three meals a day plus snacks, you know, like it was, it wasn't restrictive or anything. It was just one of those things where I knew, okay, if I use all my points in two days, I'm not going to have any points for the rest of the week. So I can't have, I'm not going to be able to like, you know, get food for the rest of the week. So I need to really, you know, have my breakfast, lunch, dinner, get my snacks when I'm hungry, get dessert if I want it, whatever, but not just go on this entire binge because I'm not going to have any more points for the rest of the week. And even though that might sound like odd that that was that that helped me, it really did because it really helped me get in tune with my hunger signals, you know, and really listening to like, am I hungry right now? Or am I just wanting to spend points, you know, so yes, that is so interesting. I, I also had point system. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can definitely see doing that. I mean, I I recovered when I wasn't in college. So I didn't have I didn't have that. I had more of a traditional like meal plan. But like, it kind of is like a meal plan in a sense, not really. But Mm -hmm. it's like a form of like allotting your meals. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's so cool. Um, yeah. And I miss, I miss the dining halls sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm like 25 years old, so it's, it's no, not never going to happen yeah. again, but I'm like, man, that had some good food back then. Oh, totally. I wish I would have appreciated also, it more. The simplicity of just walking up and ordering what you want, you know, you don't have to clean all your dishes and clean uh, the pots and pans and all that yes, stuff. So. I know. I know. It's amazing. I just love seeing you grow and just seeing you like inspire more and more people. I, I just you. think it's so cool. I love too. You're accomplishing too. It's so awesome. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. I think it's so cool that you recovered in college. I just feel like people feel like it's impossible. So anyone mm-hmm. out there listening no matter what, it's really going to be hard. It really is really hard to recover and maintain a sense of hope. But I do believe in everyone who's listening. I really do. And if you are in college and you're like afraid, yeah, just know that it's totally possible. I mean, Brittany is like a great example of of that. Um, so, well, thank yes. Thank you. Yeah, it's saying. kind of, you know, it's kind of crazy because um, when I went from – you know, anorexia to binge eating disorder. Uh, I had moved to Oregon to live with my dad because, um, so my mom and stepdad live in Florida and then my dad and my stepmom live in Oregon. And, um, I decided to move to live with my dad in Oregon when I was a junior in middle of my junior year of high school, because, um, I just live a lot better with my dad. Like I love my mom, but I love my mom dearly. We have a great relationship, but our relationship is just a lot better not living together, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, moved to live with my dad and, you know, I started a brand new high school at the middle of my junior year. And I knew like three people at my high school and those were my cousins who lived in Portland because we have family here. And, and that was it. And so I had no friends besides people that are required to love me, you know, and and acknowledge my presence. Um, And so that was really difficult to um, move across the country, literally to the farthest points. I mean, I could have gone to Seattle. That probably would have been like the highest. But Portland to South Florida is, you know, that's really far. And so for me, I also feel like my binging related a lot to – the move and not having anyone. And I felt like food was my comfort and food was my friend and food wouldn't leave me, you know, and various Mm -hmm. things like that. And then when I got to college 
and, you know, various things like that. It was definitely difficult to recover in college, but it wasn't impossible. But, um, you know, I'm a part of a soror- I was a part of a sorority at U of O and I lived in my chapter house, uh, my sophomore year of college. And that was also, you know, wasn't, I mean, it was challenging, but it was just, um, something that I had to kind of overcome living with 50 other women and dealing with various triggers that go on in, you know, the dining room or when girls are talking about certain diets that they're on or various things they're doing or trying to make their body look a certain way. And sometimes I would just have to remove myself from the room or know like, Hey, this isn't a good situation for me to be in. I'm not going to, um, like if it was my best friend talking about something, I'd be like, Hey, can we not talk about that? Because I value her so much and she values me so much that she knows like, Hey, okay, let's not. But Mm -hmm. if it was just women who I knew, like, it's not worth it to me to bring that up to them because obviously we're friends, but it's not like we're best friends, you know what I'm saying? And so there would be times where I would just remove myself from the situation because that was the healthiest thing for me at the time. So, Mm um, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting going through college and recovery, but I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I think it taught me a lot about who I am and kind of, you know, my ability to just prevail. So, Yes. I love that. That's just amazing. I, first of all, I didn't know you lived in Portland. Yes. Portland. I live live in Portland, Oregon. We talk about moving out of LA to Portland all of the time. Oh, Portland is literally, I just love Portland so much. It's funny because a lot of my really, a lot of my, pretty much all of my best friends from college, except one of them all live in California and like 95% of them are from the LA area. So I go to LA a decent amount, not like, I mean, obviously not right now at all because of COVID, Mm but, um, that is definitely usually my destination. If I have any, like a couple free days because to go see them, you know, but Mm -hmm. I, you know, I love going to visit them and I love LA. It's beautiful, but Portland has been my home for the past like six or seven years. And I just, I'm obsessed with it. I love it. So so special. All those big tall trees and the parks everywhere. It's Mm -hmm. just amazing. Well, if you ever want to come to LA, you have another person to visit. And Rio and I are going to come to Portland. Like we want to just be there all the time. So I'll let you know. Hit me up if you ever are. I'll take you to all the good food places. I know know all the good food spots. Yes. We were there last year. We, uh, We have a friend that lives there. We were there last year. And it was just magical. Is there anything else you wanted to say, talk about? Yeah, I don't, I think we kind of touched on everything. I just (laughs) really encourage anybody who's listening to this, like, you know, if you, if you're deciding whether you want to start recovery or whether you want to, you know, see a professional for the first time, like, I just really encourage you to do it because it could change your life for the better, you know, and it could be the best thing you ever do for yourself or your life. And I really, I always tell people that, you know, when they're like, what, what tips do you have to start recovery? I'm like, go see a professional, you know, whether that's a nutritionist, a dietitian, a therapist, going to treatment, whatever it is, like go see a professional. And so, um, yeah, I just, I really encourage anyone listening to this to do what's best for you and to prioritize your life because you deserve to be happy with your life, you know, and you deserve to be happy with yourself and um, to not make all these unnecessary restrictions on food. So, yeah. Yes. Oh, 
you said it. <laughs> you said it. So thanks so much again. And yes, I uh, I really enjoy talking to you. You are such a little light of wisdom and you just you're just so encouraging. So thank you so much. I'll leave all of your links down below. I'll leave a link to your TikTok and your YouTube and your Instagram. Is there anything else you have going on? I think that I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, t- TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. So, but thank you so much for having me on here, Kate. It was so much fun, and also I just love the name of your podcast, Take the Cake. Thank like, it's you. so cute. Ah, uh, she's amazing, right? Oh, so so great. Thank you all so much for listening. Thanks again, Brittany, for being on the show. Uh, give her a follow on TikTok. You know if. If you need your algorithm changed up, give her a follow and just start going on the positive side of TikTok because I know it can be really a tough place. Um, And I'll also leave her other links down below. So yes, thank you so much. And please don't forget to subscribe or leave a rating and a review if you like. And I will see you guys on the next episode of Take the Cake. Bye.